0: Hey everyone, welcome to Turnbuckle Boogie. I'm Timothy Styles, and with me is professional wrestler and trainer, Cutthroat Cody Hancock. What's up, y'all? <laughs> Did you say y'all? Yeah. Oh my god.
1: Because then I don't have to be gender specific, just y'all. It covers everybody.
0: What's wrong with uh, that's a whole nother political debate. Isn't don't I? have
1: to open that counterworms.
0: My pronouns today will be they and them. Perfect. It works out. So, so. Uh, anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm setting levels as we're talking. So uh, uh, folks, if this is your first time listening to the show, every week Cutthroat Cody and myself get together and we talk shop about pro wrestling and nothing is off the table. By God, uh, we will talk about Ric Flair tying balloons to his wiener or triple springboard moonsaults. Uh, into the front row. What else? While having balloons tied to your wiener as oh, well. That's, that's yeah. that's right. Put
1: a hat on top of a hat.
0: <laughs> but uh, if you'd like to support the show, sorry, this is a meandering intro. If you'd like to support the show, the best way to do so would be to give us a follow on Instagram. Hey, people judge you by how many followers you have.
1: And we wanna be judged for being awesome. So please follow us at Turnbuckle Boogie.
0: That's true. The more followers we have, the more women will find us attractive. And they wanna sleep with us, God willing. And not that I want to sleep with them, but it's important that I be handsome to other people. Manly man man. <laughs> Let's boogie!
1: Anyway, oh
0: shit, I really didn't get settled.
1: Yeah, well, we're settling in as we're talking, Mm. easing into the conversation, getting comfy.
0: Oh, please. Now you're making it sound erotic. Well, there's candles lit. That's a good point. So, (laughs) hey, I wanted to start this episode by bringing up something. Now, uh, last week, the episode entitled Kevin Nash was recorded one week in advance Uh, The reason for that was uh, we normally record on Friday nights, and um, it's just a good night for us. Yeah, it works out. But as COVID restrictions have lifted, you are starting to get more work. Oh, yeah. And you told me, hey, I can't uh, record, so we got to do two in a row. I can't record on this coming Friday night. I got a big show. And... uh, (laughs) And I said, oh, okay, well, then we, we did the two. You said, hey, uh, please come out to this show. Now, you never asked me to come to shows, so I knew this guy's winning a title of some sort. Yeah. I didn't say that to you. And I didn't I didn't tell you either. Right. I don't want you breaking kayfabe, brother, 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 brother. Not at all. Right. Not in this household. Sure enough, it just shows what kind of a no-good, smart-ass fan I am. Boy, I was right as hell. <laughs> I showed up. And I was like, when's this guy going to win this Tag Team Championship? Sure enough, uh, Cutthroat Cody Hancock and Jacob Austin Young, uh, better known as Death Proof here in Las Vegas, won the FSW Tag Team Championships.
1: Yes, we did. Against r Real Money Brothers, formerly known as the Bonus Boys, formerly known as the U, Sugar Brown and Big Money Clutch. And we had a two out of three falls match that... I am still feeling
0: oh yeah today oh yeah that's right yeah I should bring this up on the air I was only gonna briefly talk about this but at a certain point something happened and uh, you got hard brother oh yes and for the people who I learned uh, recently that there are people who don't watch wrestling on a regular basis but listen to the show because they find us hysterical <laughs> so I'm like so when I say something like hard, uh, he got busted open somewhere on his face.
1: It was above my eyelid. And normally the cut was in an area that wasn't on my eyebrow, but directly on my eyelid. Jesus. Christ! And <laughs> thankfully it's healed very quickly, but they'll normally stop MMA fights. If you get cut right in that area. And I then actually had to go and wrestle a second night to defend the tag team titles that we recently acquired. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm very thankful with the match. We had D'Lo Brown on commentary who had some pretty high remarks. Uh, there was a seminar that weekend that I actually helped EC three, uh, coordinate and run. And he was absolutely an amazing guy. Yeah. I can't speak any higher of him. And we're thankful the time that he gave to the students as well as myself. It was, a uh, I, like I said, I'm still tired from that weekend, but it was all worth it.
0: And if I can interject, you know, it's interesting. I, I wonder if people realize how if you say you see people on TV in professional wrestling and you go, wow, must be cool. You know, it would be crazy to meet that person. Uh, you'd be surprised how easy it is to meet uh, AAA Not the promotion, but AAA professional wrestlers, you know, big-time players. Uh, You hang out around a wrestling promotion, uh, even, you know, one of the smaller ones long enough, you're bound to bump into somebody. I mean, I met Booker T just at some shitty show with 10 people. Yeah. You know, uh, all the time, you know, because you know, when they're not on TV, they need something to do as well. And they're not above going to some carny ass closet and, and wrestling. And that's something that I'm
1: extremely thankful for because thankfully future stars of wrestling has become reputable enough to have people stop in and give some really valuable insight and information and opportunities as well. Mm -hmm. So and if I could just thank uh, Jacob Austin Young, uh, I couldn't ask for a better tag partner. Um, we we really gave every single thing that we had in that match. And it will be soon available on the FSW Network. There was audio problems on the pay-per-view for night one, unfortunately. Mm. But they are working promptly on getting them corrected. And it should be uploaded within the next couple of days. So FSWNetwork.com.
0: Let me ask you this. You win the tag team championships. Do you get to take it home?
1: I I actually do have it home. Wow. Yeah, is that something
0: they lend towards everyone? Because no, you're a person of interest there.
1: Not ever not everybody gets the opportunity like to do that. Like if you live that.
0: in Arizona, hey, yes. Where are you going with that?
1: Some companies will give you the trust of taking their championship. I've heard in WWE they you do not get to keep your championship. You can not ask, anymore. They used to. Yeah, you can ask for a replica to be made for yourself. Right. Uh but no, the I, there's companies that I've wrestled for where I was allowed to take the championship for a off of a thirty day waiver. Mm-hmm. And I had to sign a waiver and then within 30 days I had to return the belt back. And then if I needed it for another 30 days, I could renegotiate with the promoter in order to get it in order for public appearances and photo opportunities and things of that nature.
0: Right. It's so interesting because, you know, you hear stories about, oh, who was it? I forget who it was that like somebody, I think i think it was like hulk hogan and no it was like kevin hall kevin, kevin hall kevin, scott nash <laughs> kevin Nash, and scott Hall told the giant i think hey brother hey you should take the belt with you and he was like really and he's like yeah you gotta wear it everywhere let everyone know you're the champ and he was going through the airport <laughs> and yep <laughs> yep <laughs> and somebody said I forget who it was. Somebody saw him and said, take that fucking thing off. You look ridiculous.
1: And that's... I remember there was a picture of, I believe, Seth Rollins walking around an airport with the money in the bank briefcase.
0: Well, that's... For some reason, they have to take that thing with them everywhere. And I
1: think that it would be harder to put a briefcase in your bag. I mean, I could imagine well, No, what
0: they do what uh, from every wrestler I've ever heard of who's had that money in the bank briefcase, they put their gear in it.
1: Yep. It's, <laughs> it's like, just an extra bag
0: that right? they can use. It seems silly with how uh I don't know, unrealistic uh the WWE Is, you know, it's sports entertainment. Yes. Wink, wink. You know, why are you making people carry their gear in your your silly briefcase?
1: And who knows on that one? And as far as like the championship is concerned, I, if I know that I'm going to be going to a show, Mm -hmm. like I'm going to have the title out and available because (laughs) if somebody sees me, I'm like, oh, you're cutthroat Cody, one half of the FSW tag team champions. Can I have a picture with you? Right. Whereas if I'm just walking around the street clothes, they might not recognize me. And but I'm not going to be I will take it with me to certain places like my gym. I'll take it to Sin City Iron and I'll take a picture with my friend Levi who helped me with bodybuilding. Right. I'll take a picture with there's a gentleman named Mikey P who is one of the ad representatives for rain energy drink he'll come to the school and I'll bring the belt with me to take a picture with him. If I know that I have to go somewhere, mm-hmm. I'm not going to walk around with it on my shoulder in the parking lot of a fucking Wendy's.
0: Why wouldn't you just wear it around your waist to hold your pants up brother?
1: Well, I, <laughs> cause I typically buy pants that are well fitting to where I don't have to worry about necessarily wearing a belt belt is an accessory.
0: Well, this is interesting. Uh, uh I don't think they make pants
1: with big enough belt loops to accommodate a championship title. <laughs>
0: Bro, I would get, like, suspenders and tie them off on the belt and the pants. I would do something. Because <laughs> th- uh, this is actually an interesting topic. Championship belt etiquette. What's right and what's wrong? And So I got to tell you, you know, champions, they never take the belt out. You know, it's not like, you know— It's almost like it's a burden. I got to carry around 10 more pounds with me as I get on these flights. And it's like, boy, it's a shame that you feel that way. Meanwhile, if you recall, um, Enzo Amore. Oh, yeah. Whatever your opinion is of him. uh, I'm I was pro Enzo Amore. Yeah. This motherfucker wore that shit all the time. Yeah. I mean, in every Instagram video, whatever, and... I thought that he actually brought legitimacy to it by really showcasing what a no good, because he was a heel at the time, yeah. what a no good piece of shit he was by rocking this belt. Uh, the same thing could be said about Bad Bunny. I mean, he was on SNL holding it yes. the entire time.
1: You know, And I think that it depends on who you are as a person as well.
0: Well, yeah. If you're, I don't know, a sheepish kind of character, it yes. makes no sense. But if you are a Ric Flair esque type of character. Yes. You know what I mean? Rick, Ric Flair's throwing you know, taking off Rolexes and just fucking throwing them. Yeah. Why wouldn't that guy just be wearing the belt underneath it? <laughs> underneath underneath his the three clothes? piece. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And for me, I think that one of my biggest fears and concerns is just because I've known people that have had their cars broken into and they've had their gear stolen. Mm-hmm. It's happened to friends of mine. And I also let us not forget about Chris Jericho winning the AEW title and getting drunk at a steakhouse inside of an airport right. and it going missing and things of that nature. So as far as responsibility for taking care of it goes, if I know that I'm going to go to a place where people are going to be looking at me, right, <clears throat> if I go to a signing, if I'm going to a wrestling show, uh, if I'm going for a specific public relations type of deal. Right. That thing is going to be around my shoulder or around my waist for sure. But just to be walking around in public, you know, wrestling gets a stigma as it is anyway. (laughs) Would it bring up some questions? Absolutely. But sometimes I don't necessarily want to engage in conversations with people in general. I kind of want to just be left alone. Sure. Of course. So I think that because me and Jay have actually talked about this too. And it's like, we need to, I will eventually bring the belt over with me to, I was actually coincidentally going to bring it today, but I had to bring my bag back inside from the gym. Mm -hmm. And I will take a picture with the people are very important to me and I will post them on social media.
2: Oh. I'm honored today to be joined by one of the very greatest British legends to have ever laced up a pair of boots, Mr. Mark Rollerball Rocco. Thank you, it's a pleasure, thank you very much. Well, Mark, here we are back yep. in the UK from from sunny Tenerife. Back in the UK, it's raining again. It's raining again. We we, we, we told we said we wouldn't talk about the weather. We would not talk like, about the weather. No, that's right. Let's talk about British wrestling yeah, then. Absolutely. Um, how, in your estimation, far has the industry come in recent times? You know, the quality of the shows. Uh, are... The quality of the shows recent times have improved immensely. Amazing, and they've got there's some. Fantastic talent around at the moment. I mean, I'm I'm impressed by some of the people I've seen today and last week. I had had, uh, the opportunity of seeing some of the young young stuff, the young blood, you know. And um, I think we've got a great future. I mean, you've got to remember that British wrestling is was the starter of all this. Um, The Americans came a lot later than than, 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 um, than the British. British were wrestling professionally in 1930s, 20s. And the American thing didn't kick off till the 50s, you know, really properly. And we we we're, we had the first national television. Um, the wrestling was on, on national television, and the American shows, the American wrestling shows, were, were were local shows, you know, just just small local shows, filmed in in the local local uh, high school or some gymnasium somewhere, you know. And they were in awe of us, you know. We we had this massive national TV. With fantastic stars, you know, and, and, and great wrestling characters, and we we had the we had the upper hand by a long way. American followed our followed us and followed our styles and followed everything else. It wasn't the Americans that put it, the television wrestling television on the map. Right. It was us. Unfortunately, we let it drift away, and we let it drift away because um, the promoters in America were very uh, interested in re- re- reinvesting the. Profits they made into the business, which in, in England, in the in the golden yeah. years, the promoters were a group of different people, yeah. and they took the money and ran with it, and they you know bought islands off off the shore and right. did this and did that. They all had Rolls Royce and Bentleys and all the rest of it, and um, you know, and that's what killed the wrestling business, and the and the, the people, the talented people, moved away. From here, and we lost some of the talent, and it was replaced by the Big Daddy type characters, which were a great uh, show, but but didn't hold people's attention very long. Nowadays, you know, the American style. I'm not kidding; it's fantastic, spectacular. They they make millions, uh, 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 you know, and they're much better paid than the the English guys were paid at the time. Um, But it's lost something. Mm. We in our day, and I'm not saying we're the best, but we're pretty close worldwide about our TV wrestling shows. The wrestlers got in the ring in a pair of trunks and a pair of boots, and they told an amazing story which could keep people transfixed for weeks. The Americans now, on the other hand, they get in the ring with a microphone, they speak for 20 minutes on the microphone, then they all run about, slap each other, and all run up and down. Yeah. There's no story. There's no, there's no, they don't care if he wins or he loses or he win. I mean, in our day, people used to cry on the ringside. if their their hero got beaten, you know, or the bad guy took a liberty with them or whatever. They were so involved, they understood it. Now, I've been in the wrestling business since I was 12 years old. You know, my dad was a wrestler. My family, fifth generation. I've got two sons that are boxers, you know. All of this, I understand all of this stuff. And I watch the American stuff, and I don't know what they're trying to achieve Mm. and what they're
0: doing. Good news, I don't need a picture. But for the turnbuckle boogie page, brother. Oh, I guess.
1: And I didn't say the other B word. What? Don't say it. Oh, Russo. I see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brother's I, okay here.
0: Uh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, what what Cody is referring to is uh, I'm really going to make a conscious effort to <laughs> fight the urge to say bro. Yeah. Which I do a lot, you know, uh, in phone calls, on this show or whatever. But whenever I hear it, all I can think about is Kevin Russo. Vince, Vince, no, Vince Russo. Russo. <laughs> Who's Kevin Russo? Kevin what are... Dunn. damn. Yep. Uh, Vince... Anyway, all I can think about is Vince Russo. And yes. Look, just thinking about Vince Russo gives me douche chills. <laughs>
1: um, I don't think I've ever
0: heard that expression <laughs> in my life. Douche
1: chills. Right. So, is uh, that when the water's too cold?
0: Pretty much. Yeah, man. Uh, so... I, I have declared that I am going to institute a, a Russo jar where anytime the word bro is uttered in this room, the studio, oh, where you have to drop a quarter or whatever in it.
1: Admitting <laughs> the one that you just said.
0: Did I say one? Oh, uh, the one. Just you, to explain. You, as an example. Right? Yes. But um, yeah, it, it, it's interesting championship belts. You know, you, to a certain extent in professional wrestling, they're almost valueless. At the same time, there are people who desperately want to see the industry, like yourself, they want to see the industry have the credibility that it deserves. Yes. And they're fighting against the, the tide, so to speak. You yes. Because not everyone in the industry is that way. Right. Yeah. So, you know, they're trying to, like yourself, you want to bring credibility to the title, but it, it's, it's it's hard to do it with a straight face when you know there's so many jabronis
1: yeah and not only that but i you're also what happens if you wear that out at a club and then all of a sudden you have some drunk asshole that decides to challenge you for it and then you get put in a vicarious position and here's the thing too well first of all (laughs) let
0: me say this i think you should be able to stretch that guy oh well and (laughs) And that's the thing I win.
1: Well, and that's, (laughs) and, and, and that's the thing though, is that outside of that, take it from somebody who also grew up in a bad part of Vegas, right? You fight one person. It might not be one person.
0: Yeah. I I, I know that. But look, I have a, a, a standing responsibility that anytime I go to a professional wrestling show, that if I see any non-wrestler there with a championship Replica over yes. his shoulder. He must offend it. Hey, you fat piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> you and me toe to toe to the death. You know, yes. Ring the bell. Yes. And then I go for a double leg and start stretching.
1: Yep. And that's something that I, I know ice Williams, who is our current no limits champion. He, I'm pretty sure he wears that thing in the shower, <laughs> like more than positive, which
0: I think is admirable. You know what I used to do every time I got a new guitar?
1: Hmm.
0: Let me choose my words carefully. Oh, I would sleep with it. I didn't say fuck it intimately. It is an expensive, beautiful thing. And I would just. Fucking cradle it. All right. Now this is starting to sound bad. I no, see it's look not. On your face. It,
1: so, no, it's not. It would
0: be in the bed with me on the first night. It's like the honeymoon. And yeah. Then, and then after that, it's all fingering.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you have such a way with words. I
0: know. Thank you. I, uh, I, <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but look, if yeah. I won a championship, you better believe that shit's, I'm going to wear that shit to bed the first night. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I, I have, I bought Casey, my fiance. A little tiny alien plush toy and we uh, put the championship belt around the torso of the alien so and it's the mother alien that has the mouth coming outside of its mouth so that's where the belt stayed for the first couple days and it, and I brought it with me today because I was supposed to meet some people to take some pictures with it but they didn't show up so we'll take care of that next week but I think that it is something that as far as, you know, bring credibility back to wrestling and legitimacy, uh, making it legitimate.
0: Right. I'm going to let you talk for a second. And I'm going to listen as I'm turning on the air conditioning. I,
1: I, I just think that it's something that you can make it matter. If you decide to put that much work and effort into making it matter much like, the conversation that we had a few episodes ago about Kevin Owens saying that matches don't matter. Moments matter. And he says that in passing. And he, the way. I, but, I don't mean to, uh, but no, be someone he's, who's standing up for, but no, 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 no. I, I understand that, but he's not the only person that has that opinion. Right. And
0: well, no, no, no. You took it as third hand information as parlayed by me. Right. Um, I, he did not say that matches didn't matter. It was, it's the moments
1: and matches that matter.
0: It's not that they matter. Right. It's that they're the most probably important parts.
1: Of course. And I have heard this uh, debate right. from multiple people. Joe DeFalco, the promoter for Future Stars of Wrestling, told that to me. Sure. And I took that as a, oh yeah. And since then, I do try to put a huge emphasis on making sure that my matches. Matter and the Feedback that we got from that match That match Had to be a big Match that had to f- It had to feel like a fight Right. And the aftermath Everyone had to walk away with that With the feeling of like wow That was A championship worthy Wrestling match
0: <clears throat> And then, in my personal Opinion You cannot be in contention of uh, a championship title without doing the strong style stuff. Right. I think, uh, with all due respect to Orange Cassidy, I'm sorry. I, it's cute. It's fun and all. I think it's a silly move. I think you really need to have the emotion and psychology uh, in your title spots. Yes. You know, they these things have to be the things that people go – hey, we had a fun time with all these matches that came up, and now we're going to see some fucking serious shit. Yes. You know, it's all the best stuff happens there. You know, Stone Cold and The Rock at all the, the those three WrestleManias, they were serious affairs. Yes, they were. You know, more recently, you see it with, like, some of NXT's booking. Yes. Not necessarily WWE's booking, but NXT's booking with Finn Balor and Walter... You know, when they are having matches, they're like big, serious deals. And then they put in, boy, they're putting
1: sweat on leather, son. And that's why I wish that people understood that you have to make it seem like it's a competition. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say
0: that you can't have comedy and, and, you know, some of the more lighthearted things. Yes. Uh, On the card. Correct. You know, uh, Breezango, who ironically were let go today, as far as I understand. Yes. Uh, a perfect example to be that curtain jerking. Hey, here's a fun little moment for the fans to warm them up. Give them something to watch. You know, th- that's good to have on a card.
1: It's, a, it's something interactive with the crowd, too. Right. Because when you do something that makes people laugh, they laugh with you. Right. And. But
0: it, as the card goes on. The more serious it kind of should get absolutely you know
1: yes and we we got serious oh, yeah <laughs> yeah we got serious serious. Hey look
0: man you've been a uh, since I've known you have been a pretty serious character yes uh, I mean character in the not literal sense but, yes you know um, it's important. I'm gonna pitch the conversation a little bit uh, concerning the championship title talk here. I was thinking earlier today about stand-up comedy. I once heard a couple of comedians talking about uh, ideal conditions to work in. And they agreed on a lot of things. They said, well, the room has to be a certain size. There has to be a certain amount of people there. I forget whatever they were saying 120 200 people you know it's not too it's not too big where it's unintimate and it's not so small that you're you're working for free yep um uh th- that the ceiling had to be low the temperature had to be this specific colder degree you know it's got to be 68 degrees in there they were very specific about a lot of things down to the lighting you know,
1: I'm curious about the temperature of the room being but so you low. cannot
0: laugh in hot. It's the same reason why David Letterman's okay. studio was notoriously freezing. That makes sense. Because <laughs> and it's the same reason why I didn't mention this. But, you know, when you won your championship, yeah. as soon almost as soon as you were done, I split because for some reason, the air conditioning in that venue on night one was not working. And, and yeah, a buddy, you know, uh I like to keep kayfabe, but folks, I got a day job and it's uh, unfortunately outdoors and summers in Vegas, they're pretty miserable. And oh, I yeah. do not like being hot when I'm off of work. And yeah. I, the minute you, you did what I thought you were going to do, I said, great, goodbye.
1: And, and <laughs> so unfortunately they did get the AC fixed for night two at the diversions amusement center. Right. Their AC went out that day. Right. I, I assume that.
0: Hey look I don't hate yeah. him it was a nice venue right. and I yeah. I can't wait to go back there but boy uh a yeah, summertime it was miserable a summertime with the uh With no AC in Vegas, that's a tough sell for me.
1: Not to mention that we packed that place pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And backstage, we had a 30-man battle royal on that night as well. Right. So backstage was just as cramped as the front of house. Right. And it actually got to a point where there was an area of the building where they had moved all the arcade machines And I was actually hanging out there, even though it was blistering hot. I just had elbow space in order to stretch and breathe. Sure. So I was like hanging out by myself in that area for a pretty long time.
0: Ironically, when I left, it was cooler than when I was in there. So, yes. um, But anyway, so these comedians are talking about these sort of ideal situations for comedy, you know, and it got me thinking about professional wrestling. Uh, let's say Cutthroat Cody uh, got a hundred million dollars and was going to start his own his own professional wrestling promotion. I wonder, because of all of the variants over the last hundred years in the history of professional wrestling, uh, intercontinentally, what would his promotion look like? And I mean, how big would your ring be? Because and Part of the thought process was, you know, when you look at old uh, UK rings, what were they? 14 by 14 or smaller?
1: They were 14 by 14. And And what's
0: crazy, they would have rope breaks a lot because all you had to do was uh, take one step and you could touch the ropes.
1: Yep. And ultimately, their rings were also really, really, really tight as well. Super Mm -hmm. stiff rings. Right. And the reason why their style of wrestling was formed off a of catch-as-catch-can Right, helped accommodate that ring size. So for me, if we're talking about ring size, because you have the 14-footers in the U.K., um, then you have the 18s and
0: WCW, WWE may, I might be the only one. I WWE
1: know. is higher than that. I believe that WWE is 20 by 20 now.
0: That's what I was going to say. And yes, they are. They've, they've been 20 by 20 forever.
1: I think that the dimensions of new Japan's rings possibly might even be 22 by 22.
3: Mm, it may, I it's either 20 know. by
1: 20, but they got big rings Right. for me. Ideally. Well, let if, me, let me say before,
0: yeah. cause I don't want to limit it to just that. How big is the ring? How big is the the venue? Yep. You know, uh, butt wise. How, how, how? What kind of titles do you have? Are they ge- geographically centric or are they weight class centric? Yeah. Um. Uh, what sort of style do you do you impose on the people that you book? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, are you going for a strong style or a king's road, or do you want it just to be? American anything goes baloney you know what I mean because there are all these variants that can make up what a professional wrestling promotion ultimately is what's ideal from the point of view of a wrestler
1: so for me, I'll I'll give you a couple. Oh, rundowns. and ropes!
0: I didn't even mention ropes.
1: Yep, I'll give you a couple rundowns. Sure. So I I love eighteen by eighteen. Yeah. Uh, the reason I love eighteen by eighteen is because you can get across from buckle to buckle and from uh, rope to rope. Three steps. Within, four steps. With about two to three steps. Right. And anything over that, when you have to add an extra step,
0: there's a hiccup in your movement. Th- there
1: could be until you get acclimated to doing that there's a you'll hear a lot of stories and i'm not going to name names but i have heard stories from multiple people that when they get the opportunity to do tryouts in wwe yeah they oftentimes trip themselves while they're running the ropes yeah and i have wrestled in 20 by 20 rings and you do have to add a little bit of a gallop Right. Before you hit the rope Which is almost a stutter step right. And you never want a stutter step So, hey, I, You don't
0: want to look like you got happy feet out there yeah. You really look out of place Like yes. this guy doesn't know his way around a ring Exactly
3: Hello turnbuckle boogies This is James Mattern I am uh, talking to you From Washington Square Park Right around midnight Shit's getting wild The biggest work and all of works Is going on There's some chess games. There's some hustles. It's
2: wild.
3: I hope you guys are getting all this. I'll tell you guys. I just heard a lovely podcast interview with Drew McIntyre. It's inspiring. This whole generation of wrestling. Everyone has the same story. I was the biggest wrestling fan ever. And this is a dream come true. It's a whole roster. 387 people who all can get cut at any goddamn time. We're the biggest wrestling fans of all time. Makes me, I'm happy for him, but I kinda missed 20, 30 years ago when, when people get asked, how'd you get into wrestling? And it wasn't, I'm the biggest fan ever. It was, well, you know, I was a top recruit in football. I blew out my knee my sophomore year. I worked myself back, played in Canada two years, got cut by the Bengals and the Dolphins in the preseason. Said, fuck, I'll play in Canada. I don't know what the fucking Argonaut is, though. And then some guy came up to me and I was bouncing at a titty bar in Toronto. I was like, hey, have you, you want to be a wrestler? You could be the next Baron Von Raschke. And you and I said, who the fuck is Baron Von Raschke? And as you know, I'm now the champion of Mid-South Wrestling. I kind of miss that. I miss the old days of that shit, turnbuckle boogies. Let's bring back more fucked up football players who don't like wrestling, huh? I'll see you guys later. I think there's a rally breaking. So I
1: prefer 18 by 18. I've worked in some 16 by 16s. I don't think I've ever been in a 14 by 14, but I've I done. I mean,
0: like, so the namesake of today's episode is Mike Rollerball Rocco. Mark. Mark. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> Boy, I'm having real problems with names. Folks, I'm not kidding about the summer times of Vegas. They Brain really fried. do melt your brain. That's okay. Um, and you can kind of tell if you've been listening to the show for months. <laughs> you just slowly start <laughs> I slowly not even slowly because the summers here just all of a sudden they happen and you're just like, uh Yeah. No, it,
1: <laughs> yeah. it smacks you out of nowhere.
0: Right. So Mark Rollerball Rocco. I you know uh, generally when we name and we, we call each other and go, hey, what should this week's episode be named? And you said Mark Rollerball Rocco. I said, okay. Which I thought first of all I was like, wow, what a deep cut. Yeah. You know I that's...
1: love Mark Rollabrot Rocco. Well, man. the funny
0: part is it's like it's like, oh yeah, that's that's why I like Cody. Yeah. Because he knows his shit. You know, if I was in here with just some like Jabroni kid, he'd be like, Shawn Michaels, and I'd go, get the hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But yeah. And so just to refresh myself, because I remember watching some mean machine Mark Rocco yep. matches a long time ago but I hadn't seen anything in forever and I I watched uh I don't know him versus Dynamite Kid and then I watched yep. some stuff where he was a Black Tiger. I mean all the stuff I knew I was just refreshing it.
1: He, but, and for those that don't know the he Black Tiger was the nemesis of Tiger Mask. Right. So
0: yeah <clears throat> and Uh, first of all, I was reminded of how fantastic he was. He's fucking amazing. Yeah. Uh, Really? If you're, if you're a wrestling student, and I know that we have a handful that listen to this, uh, you really owe it to yourself to study up on rollerball uh, or mean machine. They had two great nicknames. Rollerball really is stupid. (laughs) Well,
1: I mean, roller derby, you know, another, Another famously worked sport brother.
0: Right. Oh, by the way, here's here's a... I love how I spin off. Uh, he had two nicknames, Mean Machine and Rollerball. Uh, also, oh, <laughs> Bob Orton. He had, I think, three. Yes, Ace. Cowboy. Ace. Yep. Ca- and he would often be introduced by all three. Ace. Cowboy. Bodyguard. <laughs> Bob Orton. Orton. That's a lot Way of names. Orton. You know, they have to do the repeat the name. <laughs> so
1: it ring wise, I'm going to go for the 18 by 18. I'm going to say as far as running the temperature in the room, you got to make sure that it's not so cold to the point where people are uncomfortable, but it can't be hot either. So I would put it. at. And like also, a you, nice have
0: to, you have to. I'm I, I'm also thinking about you in the ring because yes. you are under the hot lights. Yes. And, you know, during that evening uh, where you won your tag team championship, Funny Bone, who you feuded with before, uh, collapsed as far as I could see and was pouring sweat. Yes. I mean, like someone turned a faucet on. Yes. And it was coming out of his gear. And He I was pu- leaking. Yes. <laughs> that's the way I would put it. He was literally, it's like he someone raised his arm and dumped a glass of water out of it. And I was like, Jesus Christ, someone get that guy some water. Even
1: when I was finished with that two out of three falls match, I was wet. Right. Like wet.
0: Well, it was hot in there for one. And you guys had to be under the hot lights. So that's the way it is. But I
1: I would put it at 72 degrees, you know, and Uh,
0: San Diego. Yeah.
1: And so those lights, the longer you sit in the room, the crowd will start feeling the heat too. You know, the more bodies that are packed in there, things of that nature. So, As far as seating goes, so if I was to have a studio, I would want to make sure that the studio could fit probably anywhere from 100 to 150 people comfortably because- For a studio wrestling show? For a studio wrestling show. And here's why. Let's say that you don't have as many people show up as you want to. Right. Okay? You can shuffle them.
0: Right. Well, that hey, that's- what happens in the WWE?
1: Absolutely. And the larger of a venue you have, the harder that gets. Sure. So, whereas if you only have a studio wrestling show where you were mainly running weekly wrestling shows, you know, building a supercard is a different venue, right? Right. That's what I would say. I would keep it at anywhere between 100 to 150. And that way you can get some, if you get 100 butts in those seats, the building's going to sound full. Right. It's going to be loud. And anytime a camera moves in any direction other than the wrestling ring, you're going to see people that are being engaged. Sure. So the ceiling obviously would have to be relatively high. Hmm. <clears throat> due to the fact is, is that Suplexes moves off the top rope, dives. Things of that I've nature. seen
0: one too many videos of people doing stupid shit off the top rope and going into the ceiling fan. I. Oh, man, <laughs> I, I, I watch disco balls. Yep. Uh You name it. Those those uh, office style tiles that going right through the. Yep. <laughs> I, I I
1: recently saw a match happen live and I'm not going to say where it was, but it was this kid attempted to do a moonsault off the top rope, realized that he didn't have clearance, went to the second rope, still didn't have clearance and then did and, it anyway. And then killed himself. Yeah. Damn near. And when you're doing dive spots, it's the wrestler's responsibility to catch you dip shit, not the fans.
0: Bro. oh so, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah,
1: man. So that was a uh, wrestling died for me that day. Uh, but when we're also talking about championships, so if I was to open a company, my first goal would not to be do anything regional. It would to be weight classes. It would be division-based. Now, let's say we started picking up some steam, and then all of a sudden we can start taking something on the road. That's when I would introduce a regional championship. Grand goal, right? You start going international, and then you can introduce that championship. So
0: you would stick to geogra- uh, geography centric.
1: I, I would stick to geographically centric for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, no division or, first.
0: Let me ask you this because yeah. look, it's a real problem with professional wrestling promotions yep. that they'll have like, this is our, our, our state champion. We'll just use Nevada as an example.
1: Remy but, uh, Marcel is currently the Nevada state champion for future well, he's stars. the of wrestling. Nevada
0: state champion. Yes. We also have a Las Vegas champion. Then we have an X division champion. Then we have a cruiserweight champion. Now over here, we have an intercontinental, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, <laughs> who's thinking that we got a TV champion. We got a world champion. It's like, the more of these titles you start mm-hmm. to add and the more wildly different they are from each other, the more it makes less sense and the more valuable they become.
1: Look at ECW.
0: Mm-hmm. You had
1: the ECW championship. Yeah. You had the tag team championship. You had the television championship. And I feel like a lot of people actually never really paid attention to the purpose of what those titles were. <clears throat> the, the, The main belt was the company belt. That's the main belt. So then after that, you have your tag team championship, which will not be defended on every show. But for most major cards, will your television championship is to be defended for every television taping. Right. That is the intended purpose for those titles to just have a TV championship and then not have it be defended. Right. Whenever television is happening that's preposterous. And people just, I think that we took the value out of championships by not understanding the parameters and guidelines that are supposed to be followed. Right. You know, like that's why the FSW heavyweight championship to me is not necessarily a heavyweight championship because we've had people that have not been heavyweights that have held that title. Right. That's a company championship. And when I talk about, the Future Stars of Wrestling Heavyweight Championship. I do not call it the Heavyweight Championship. I call it the Future Stars of Wrestling Championship. Right. Now, if we ever went And why overseas, not the FSW World instead <clears throat> of FSW Heavyweight? Because... This is why.
0: You have a state champion.
1: Yes. But also, the second that that championship gets defended in Japan... Right. The second that that championship gets defended in Mexico, the second... Europe, I et cetera. I, yes. I would say... If you want to call a championship a world championship, you have to defend it at at least three parts of the world in order to consider it a world championship.
0: Buddy, I say you have to def- uh, defend it everywhere that they have wrestling, in my personal yeah. opinion. Well,
1: uh, I recently just saw a video of a wrestler in India that pulled out a gun. Uh, So let's not defend championships in India. I'll show you that video later. That was a doozy. (laughs) They have shows in India? Oh, absolutely. They do. Uh, My good friend Ethan HD, who is a wrestler based uh, in the Pacific Northwest, he was one of the trainers for Great Collies School, Mm. and he trained some absolutely tremendous wrestlers
0: and a guy pulled out a gat
1: there was a dude that i literally today was it a work um <laughs> it's debatable brother uh. <laughs> <laughs> because the look on his face man he seemed to be relishing in the, the moment as you it were
4: you know what what what, if, what would you say to somebody breaking into the business now should they be looking to go to america
2: no i don't think they should i think that um there there will be work in in the uk I think that um, they've got to be unique. They've got to be completely unique. They've got to be different. It's not going to be the same as everybody else. There's only so many wrestling moves that that people do. So if you're going to do a wrestling move, you've got to make it something different, better, better, stronger, longer, bigger, whatever. But you've got to be different. That's the thing. The first of anything makes money. I changed British wrestling in the the style. And I did it uh, over a period of about three or four years. It was amazing. Sequence and it's still availability to do that now. People could do that now. I mean, to get people to come out of the house to pay the money for to drive the car to buy the tickets to queue up and all that is hard. When they can sit and watch the Olympics, I mean, you know, they can watch the wrestling on the television. But you've got to get you've got to get people into the arenas, into the stadiums to make the money and to be top of the bill. and and, and it's still available now to people. They can still do it. They can still do it, somebody with something different, somebody that comes up and appeals to the people.
4: You're, I mean, from, from my perspective, you are a pioneer. With what you yeah,
2: I you changed know. British wrestling in the fact that I changed the style of it. Um, my dad's era, you know, they they had a different way of wrestling. Uh, it, was, um, it was more Greco-Roman. They, they, were, they were working submission holes all the time and different, different things, and I then went straight away from that and 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 did somersaults and walked the rope and jumped up and down and everybody said you can't do that you can't do that you can't do that and the times that my tv shows have been taken off the telly because they didn't want me to do it uh, is amazing but i carried on and persevered and carried on and kept drumming it down people and then i got a, yeah and i got an audience and people really wanted to see that style and that style is now what wrestling's all about the style that is now is the one that i took to the uk and and, and made it work
0: Let's talk about ropes. How do you go on ropes? Because there's, for people who don't know, two kinds of ropes as far as I recall. Yes. There's so, actual rope, and then there's elevator cable.
1: So let's discuss the pros and cons of each. Sure. Um, elevator cable with garden hose wrapped around it is fantastic for high-flying wrestling. Hmm. So if you have a Lucha-based company and you are in Mexico, please give those boys some elevator ca- cables. So... That's the pro the con to those is that they're hard and when you hit them, they hurt. Right. So here's the pro to rope rope is that rope is far more forgiving than cable. The problem with rope, though, is that every time you tighten them, they lose tension. And over time, you have to replace them. Right. Cable lasts longer than rope, but rope is a little bit easier to work with for the body. I prefer rope to cable cause I don't do flippy stuff, right. but there's flippy boys that prefer to have flippy boy ropes. And those are cables. I, for my company, when we're talking about what style of company, I would not stick to one style.
0: Yeah.
1: I would have a blend of different styles. So I would use rope, but I would just make sure that I would be replacing my ropes and properly caring for my ropes. Right, And for those that are in the professional wrestling landscape, you can leave cables tightened overnight. You can't do that with ropes. it The tension gets lost.
0: Same thing with and, guitar <clears throat> strings.
1: There you go. So it's, and that's kind of common sense when it comes to that. But if you are in a situation, you have to slack ropes. You don't necessarily have to slack cables.
0: Right. So here's something. And I brought up, uh, Mark Rocco earlier. Yes, sir. Uh, watching a lot of stuff from him, uh, this past week in preparation for this episode, really. And of course I'm quickly reminded of all the stuff in, in, in Europe that he did, uh, have, you know, the world of sports, you know, rules.
1: Yes. What's your zany? (laughs)
0: Uh, yeah. And you know, it's interesting because you know, I have my thoughts on what sort of promotion I would attempt to do. I'm not going to bring it up now. Cause I'm just some nobody who gives a shit, but <clears throat> well, I, I give a shit now. I, I don't know. Who cares? The point is, is <clears throat> I would, if, I think if I had the opportunity, I would do the high risk, high reward, something completely different, uh, attempt at a pro wrestling promotion, to stand out amongst because there's a plethora of promotions right now. There's pro wrestling every night of the week. Yes. Um, Even
1: in town right now, there's a show happening right now as we're talking.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's crazy at the AAA, single a double a level. Yep. There's wrestling every night of the week. If you really are into it. Yep. Um, but they all generally are Americanized style pro wrestling. You know, one of the great things about, ring of honor when it first started it was an anomaly gabe sapolsky's attempt at bringing japanese style pro wrestling to america with americans in it um really stuck out like a sore thumb yes and it's at least by me but i'm willing to bet a lot of other people is remembered quite fondly
1: the code of honor was something that i know that they moved away from which and, is a shame. And I, I agree with that, but I think that...
0: It's not just the code <clears throat> of honor. They basically abandoned a whole series of things, and they just became another pro wrestling promotion.
1: Right, and then at that point, how do you stand out?
0: Exactly. Yes. Because before they did stand out, I, and, and maybe they thought, hey, all these restrictions are holding us back because we can't book this particular talent because he doesn't really know how to do this King's road style shit. Right. And, but he's super popular. So let's lighten up on certain rules to bring someone in to, you know what I mean? And well, that's
1: the, indicative of the entire industry. Right. Like in, in, as a whole, you know, like closed fist punches are supposed to be illegal, but right. man, they are flying. And I yeah, even kicking with the point of the uh, boot. I mean, this yeah. is going to
0: be my line of questioning for you. There's so many different rules, you know, I remember the old NWA rules and they were pretty much typically the professional wrestling rules for throughout our entire childhood.
1: No martial arts strikes. Yeah. That no, was my favorite NWA yeah, role. Yeah, no martial arts Karate strikes. Karate is illegal. No
0: uh, close fist punches. No kicking with the point of the boot. No eye gouging, face raking, you know, all these sort of...
1: Eventually they implemented no throwing over the top rope.
0: Yeah, that was a thing. No, which it, it, makes it, it, battle
1: it, royals far more spectacular. <laughs> I don't think that was the rule during battle royals. Well, no, because that's the whole entire stipulation of the oh, battle. Yeah, royal. Yeah. Yeah, so so w- when you omit that from regular standard wrestling, regular, yeah, it or, does make it special.
0: Yeah. You're right about that. It's a good point. Yeah. But yeah, if you were caught by the referee, uh, tossing someone out of the ring, it was an immediate disqualification. Yes, sir. You know, there was a lot of rules like this. And then meanwhile, over in Europe, they had a completely different set of rules.
1: And the rules actually became that the zany rules of British pro wrestling came into play after World War II, when a point in time where professional wrestling had achieved a level of popularity, but then it kind of started waning off. And then after the tragedy of what World War II was, right. people didn't really have an interest in entertainment. They were kind of somber. Sure. And there was a gentleman who the name of this gentleman who I will pull up right now is.
0: I didn't realize there was going to be so much dead air as you know, I'm up, so at, sorry at, at your phone.
1: I can't. OK, <laughs> so I, I can't get this dude's name, but he made a set of rules. Uh, Admirable Lord Mountavans, who was a. Arctic Explorer and a naval officer who is also a wrestling fan decided to create a community to come up with proper rules to govern wrestling, including weight divisions. This set of rules was called the Admiral Lord Mount Evans rules. And perfect. I love it. What the rules basically did was bring legitimacy back to professional wrestling in order for it to be taken seriously. The rules for British pro wrestling Post-World War II are as follows.
0: Oh, he's got it here in front of us, folks. He's going to read it.
1: Matches have rounds, usually six five-minute rounds, although sometimes there'd be more rounds. Tag matches usually didn't use rounds and were fairly rare anyway. Mm -hmm. Matches were best of three falls, except in special cases. Falls were won by submission or pinfall. A knockout or a DQ would automatically end the match even if no other falls were scored. So no, I'll be able to disqualify myself in this round to put him at a disadvantage to then win the next round. Right. So you don't get to use that. Ref would employ a public warning system for DQs. If a wrestler did something illegal that warranted more than just a quick talking to, they would receive a public warning, which was very similar to the card system in soccer. A,
0: that's what I was about ready to say. It's almost kind of, if I had my own, and this would be a, a hard thing for an American audience to really adapt, but the yellow card, red card deal Yes, is perfect to implement yes you know you threw a shot yellow card all right take a corner you get a second you check this guy out make sure his eye didn't fall out Yep. you know all this stuff and then eventually you know red card you know whatever and throw it out right yeah yeah and i don't know how you would play it out but it it, it seems like it could fit
1: and so the card system worked that if you got three cards, right, it was a DQ. But let's say that you blatantly just kicked a dude right in the dick. Right. That's an automatic DQ. Sure. You're no three strikes, you're out. You're just done with that. This one is very interesting. Attacking a man on the ground isn't legal unless it's part of the same move. Taking a guy down and going straight into a hold without letting go is fine. Throwing them down and then stomping them or putting on a hold as a separate move isn't. So, meaning that, let's say I give you a snapmare takeover, which is basically me grabbing you in a modified headlock, rolling you onto your butt, and then grabbing you in another hold. Right. That is legal. Legal. But if I give you a snapmare, and then I give you one of the strong-style were- kicks to the back, right. that is illegal.
0: Right. It seems to fly in the face of what I, you know— God bless him, he came up with a very original rule set, but it does fly in the face of what this is supposed to be. Wrestling is about, technically, two grown men on the floor (laughs) rolling around. Uh, It seems... uh, It seems to fly in the face of that.
1: So here's what is fun about having so many rules like this and something that you will notice in European wrestling, Mm -hmm. especially world of sport is, is that there were guys like Fit Finley who were really good at doing things illegally behind the referee's back. Right. Right. And then it would draw the ire of the babyface who would then get mad and then blatantly punch Fit Finley and then all of a sudden the referee the ref, yeah. reprimands him. Right. So <clears throat> the disadvantage to storytelling in modern day professional wrestling, especially when you're looking at newer companies like AEW where lucha rules are entirely different. Like lucha rules. There are no rules (laughs) more or less, man. Right. Except pile drivers are supposed to be illegal.
0: But that's why I say you're, you're somebody who has, a, um, who is fighting up the tide. Yes. You know what I mean? You're somebody who wants there to be some semblance of logic in professional wrestling. But unfortunately in professional wrestling, it's every man for himself. Yep. And And it's do whatever
1: you want to do. And how dare you stifle my artistic vision? You can't tell me what to do if I
0: want to cheat and full view of the ref, blah, blah. It's like, oh, whatever. Jesus Christ. You know, it sucks so bad. And
1: I've, I used to be an old man about it, but then I got tired of fighting it myself.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, you just can't, unfortunately.
1: And you just have to give up and kind of give in because in, but I will say the disadvantage to a rule set that's so complicated as this is that you would have to spend a lot of time explaining this to a crowd of people before.
0: Well, you know, what's funny is, yeah, that's a lot. And even the NWA's rule set is a lot but if you ever watch a UFC event, particularly their, their any of their title matches, they put the rules up on the screen before yes. the shit starts. Yes. And it fills in one page. It's like three lines of text. Yep. It's like, here's how it's gonna go. There's gonna be three rounds, there are gonna be five or five minutes apiece, there's no, you know, this, there are no that. Now there's smaller things that are obviously discouraged that are implemented because of, for health reasons, like you can't do a 12 to six elbow or whatever that elbow is. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. They don't need to announce that. That's just for the, the fighters to know. Right. But you can explain the, you should, or at least you should be able to explain the basics of the rules of your sport in, uh, a brief paragraph. And quite yes. honestly, it would be more inviting for complete strangers of the industry to get into if they fully understood it.
1: And there's still, uh, not to debate what you were saying, because I do agree with you. Sure. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, <clears throat> what you run into is that oftentimes, like my fiance knew Dick about professional wrestling to the point to where I know she, plenty
0: of dicks in pro wrestling.
1: <laughs> hey, how about it? So <laughs> how about it? Dash. Uh, if you ever hear me say dash, that is a uh, Joe DeFalco like promoter of FSW when he says like a really good one-liner, he ends it with dash. So it's a weird
0: thing to exclaim.
1: It's very New York. And Oh, it is. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so I had to explain like, she didn't understand that you had till five when you're in the ropes. Right. She didn't understand that you had till 10 yeah, because to you stand know why? Up. No one explains get, the rules.
0: <laughs> no one explains the rules and right. no one gets to five. Right. And it seems at this point they've been, the, the rules have been bent for decades and decades, generations and generations that it's, it's, to a civilian, it makes no sense. You're beating somebody up and he's got a hand on the ropes and a guy in a striped shirt comes over and goes, Hey, knock that off. One, two, three, four, you know, it, <laughs> but meanwhile, while he's counting to to four, the guy's still beating the piss out of Yeah, It's like, <laughs> it, it, it really is that, are there no rules? Why, you know, no one respects this guy, you know, Yep, it, it, it's and, strange.
1: and I think that it's something that I think that my favorite rule set in the history of pro wrestling was the Ring of Honor pure title.
0: It still is quite honestly because if you remember a little over a year ago uh, I think it was during the beginning of COVID. Yeah. They brought back the pure title and they had and I think that um, what's his name? Jonathan Gresham? Yes. The octopus. Although he wears a cthulhu mask yeah it's not very octopus it's very lovecraftian yep um uh he he's the currently at least last i checked was the pure title holder yes sir i could be wrong about that um but this tournament that they had the rule set is fantastic yes and it might be one of my favorite things ever produced in pro wrestling because the promos were treated as sort of realistic. Yep. They were still entertaining. It just wasn't over the top. Listen, brother, when I tell you, brother, 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 when the (laughs) mega powers explode (laughs) and they run over me in the lawn with the elephants. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, you know, like uh, Dalton Castle is a a pretty flamboyant character. Yes, sir. He's also a legit shooter. He was a college wrestler and a very good one, as I understand. And, you know, his his promo was like, yeah, I'm silly and I do fun things and I'm extravagant, but I'm fucking dangerous. And I'm going to hurt you. Yeah. And it was like, this is fantastic. This is what ironically, what pro wrestling kind of should be. And then there was a series The I'll let you explain the, the pure championship rules. It's a shame that though, they are separate from the rest of the promotion. Yes. In the same way that GCW's Bloodsport is separate from everything that pro that promotion does. Yes. Because they're the two most realistic versions of what professional wrestling could be. Now you can make an argument for well, it's a little boring. But you know what? I think if you took those rules and you put them in, say, New Japan, you would have the Mecca of pro wrestling in my personal opinion.
1: Yeah. You know? And so the ring of honor, pure title, I might be a little foggy, but I know that it's very similar to the European uh, rules as far as the card system goes, because you only get three rope breaks.
0: I do know not. Uh, this is a very important. No I don't want you to, fists, I don't want needle. you to breeze over that last right. thing you said. You only get three rope breaks. breaks yes. Every match. just, Keep a tally in your head with every match. I'm talking to the people here with every match that you watch. How many times someone goes to the ropes? It's absolutely obnoxious. Yeah. Uh, to the, you know, it's ridiculous how many times a ref breaks up uh, a hold. Um, to the point where it's like, do these people not know any more moves? Yeah. You know, or they're, they're just doing the same things over and over. I back them into the corner. Then I start punching them and blah, 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 and the ref has to step in. The great thing about the three rope break rule is you're forced to kind of kick it in the middle of the ring and throw down. Yep. And then when you get desperate and go, I got to get the hell out, you can burn one of your, and they keep a tally on the screen of yeah. each person, which is great, like a real sport. And when you use your rope break, you lose a one of the markers on the screen. And but the great thing is for the for the commentators who are telling this story, it's so great for them to be able to par uh, to tell the people the story of this guy's out of rope breaks. What's he gonna do? Right.
4: And then all of a sudden I'm wrestling. I'm 18 and I'm wrestling him. I'm wrestling Rocco and I'm wrestling all the best. How was Rocco?
0: Ever.
4: It was a white knuckle ride. When I say that you weren't your money, it was incredible. But what a machine. I mean, just, from the, here's a good story about him. I'm wrestling him somewhere. I'm probably 19. Uh, in fact, I know where it was, Oldham in Manchester. And the dressing rooms were a, a On the second floor, you had to come down in an elevator to to get to to the entrance to go into the where the the building was, where the ring was. Otherwise, you had to go all the other side of the building and walk down, walk through the fans. It wasn't they they wanted you coming out in this certain way. So I go down, I'm in the ring, and I hear his music, TNT. Right, that he had AC, I, 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 I still hear it now, and I get goosebumps, honestly, because yeah. I know what's coming, right, this is in my mind, I, honestly, I get chills in my stomach, because it was a, like a ride of your life wrestling him, so I'm in the ring waiting for him, just, you're on edge, because you know you're going to be fighting in a minute, right. and I mean, literally, right, you are I fighting, you're watching him yeah. wrestle, right, it's just snug, non-stop, snug, bang, bang, snug, bang, snug. and he's like erratic, and jumping yeah. all over you, ah, 100 mile an hour, right, so... I get in the ring, his music's playing. No, Mark. Music plays again. No, Mark. Then you can hear, <laughs> He's stuck in the elevator, stuck in the lift.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: so they've got to send, get and get calling, trying to get people to open this. 20 minutes later, the lift opens, out comes Rollerball. ball. Mad as a hornet? Mad as, a, oh, <laughs> just. Oh, like, like you've come into his, on his house on, on Christmas Day and pissed yeah. on his kids, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, just just going, ah! comes roaring out of the thing, jumps on me, starts like, ah! And these, like, all these people are, my God, what's happening? And they, you're just fighting him off. But that was what it was like. But you, you, you always had an incredible match. You always had an incredible match.
1: And also, then you can actually have somebody finish a match with a tarantula. Yes. Oh, that's
0: (laughs) right. I'd like to see Tajiri win win a pure titles match. That would be absolutely amazing, right? Uh, Bro, if he won a title with the tarantula or he was never, you know, because every time Tajiri, Yoshihira Tajiri folks, one of the greatest Japanese badasses ever.
1: That wasn't on that top 15 list. Yeah. Well, from the, uh,
0: what episode was
1: it? I think it was, uh, two episodes ago. Oh, so, Mizar- uh, Masawa. Masawa. Yep.
0: Um, but, uh, he does this move called the, or, or a hold called the tarantula where yes. he basically grabs someone by the arms and the legs while they're tangled in the ropes. You have to Google it. To he, see it. he
1: intertwines his body into the other wrestlers body while they're all in the ropes at the same
0: time. Right. So, immediately a ref runs over and goes, hey, you can't do that. One, two, three, four. So he can really only hold this kind of cool move. For about three seconds.
1: <laughs> yeah, unless he was fighting for the Ring of Honor pure title.
0: Well, yeah, that would be an interesting. I would, now. I'm dying to see this. Someone get to Jerry on the phone.
1: Yeah, get to Jerry in Ring of Honor asap yeah. against Jonathan Grisham with i which I'm sure would be a brilliant match. Oh my
0: god, <clears throat> unbelievable!
1: But I just think that it's a very strict rule set with no punches, you know, right. and well, it is wrestling after <laughs> all, right? Well, is it? But you know, and that's the I think. Well, the, it's
0: look, it's no. Cl- Here's the thing. It's no closed fist punches.
1: And it's tw- you- it's 20 count on the outside, isn't it? I think so. Yeah.
0: Um. No closed fists. Yeah. That's not to say that you cannot throw forearms. Yeah. You cannot throw European uppercuts. You cannot throw knife-edge chops.
1: Smack a motherfucker right in the
0: mouth. Yeah. You can just full-on open hand. I mean, you've seen a bunch of pancreas. Yeah. Or with, yeah. Uh, oh, who's that mixed martial artist? Um, Oh, crap. He was in that... Uh, Kevin James movie. Oh shit. Podcaster. Oh, fuck you. you it's know okay. Anything. Uh,
1: I Like Kevin James. No, no, no. He
0: had a really one of a kind name. But, um, um, Leo I mean, Leoto Machida? Huh? Was it Leoto Machida? No, no, no. He's a karate guy. Okay. Um, but he would just open hand palm strike guys. Boss Rootin. Boss Rootin. There we go. Thank yeah, you. man. Just El yeah, yeah, man. He would just open hand, bow, boom, boom. And these guys would be going, holy yeah. shit. You every know, time
1: he, I'm in a wrestling ring with clutch who we talked about in real many brothers, I smack him in the mouth every time I get a chance. Yes. <laughs> every time I get a chance, I smack him in the mouth.
0: It's fantastic. And it's, uh, safe. Wink, wink. But I mean, uh, it's fan- It's so good to see a guy just go, I'm going to punch you, bang. Or to see them have the hockey brawl yeah. you know, where they just run across the ring. We're too good to do collar and elbow. Ah, they punch each other a bunch of times and and nobody seems to be bothered by it. Yep. It's so much more intense, impressive, emotionally in- involved to see two guys walk across the ring and just one open hand bitch slap the other. Yep. Boom! You know what I mean? Absolutely. And then that guy bows up and goes, nah.
1: Yeah. And, you know what I mean? And don't get me wrong, man. I, I like to punch people too, man. Yeah. But there's there there's a time and a place, right? Right.
0: And that's the thing is, is that I think that- Hey, I just watched, before you walked in this room, I just watched a match with Minoru Suzuki. Yep. And uh, Tomohiro Ishii, the oh, stone yeah. pit bull. Yes, sir. These motherfuckers, for about 28 minutes-
1: beat the brakes off each other
0: that's a way to put it they only open hand slapped each other and forearmed each other with the exception of one snapmare and one german snap german suplex yep that's it the one one of each of those and five thousand open hand slaps yep i mean they got at it yep woo buddy yeah man (laughs) and we've we you know we've talked about like some of these Walter matches yep. are devastating. Yeah. He's just hamburger and motherfuckers. Yep. You know? So fantastic. Now, of course, you can't do that every time, all the time.
1: I, I've always... I want to go hard, man. I yeah. want to... I want... Well, look. Yeah.
0: Especially yeah. now, because pro wrestling is in this weird time period where... You know, before it would be a pro wrestler's life would be, I wrestle Monday night. I traveled to the next town. I'd wrestle on Tuesday. Wednesday, I got a five o'clock show and an eight o'clock show. And then on Thursday, I go to another town and I'm wrestling Thursday, you know, and so on and so forth. And I get one day off Sunday, but I can't drive all the way back home. So I just stay in the hotel and, you know, go to Gold's Gym. That was their life. You know, six days a week. Seven eight times a week they were fighting, you know. Now what is it? Once a week, if someone is worth a shit, they get a chance to go out and have a match. Yep. It's an interesting difference because you can go harder when that's how often you're 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 getting at it. I would not be able
1: to have that match that I
0: had with RMB
1: uh, every night,
0: seven mm-hmm. nights a week. Yeah, right? There'd be no you, way you can't. Right. But It seems like that's how the industry is now. It seems like the best you can do is to be able to wrestle three nights in a row. Hey, I wrestled Friday in Arizona and I had a Saturday show in New Mexico. And, right. You know, which
1: even then, like you're still putting in the work. And I mean, like the benefit of what's happening in Vegas right now is that there's so many promotions, Right, you know, like after we get done with this, I'll pop my head into the show that's running tonight at the super beast training compound and just say hello. And right. I'll be working for him shortly, uh, coming up next month. And I, I, don't want to spoil anything, but I'm going to be popping my head into places because I want to get as much work as
0: I possibly can. Of course. I mean, that's, and that's really the tough thing. There are more promotions than ever, but they want to make as much money as they can. So they don't want to run Monday night shows and I don't blame them. Right. But you can't have 10 promotions who all run shows on the exact same evenings. Yeah. Cause who's benefiting. And these wrestlers, they can't make a living off of that shit. No. And then they're put in the really precarious positions of having to pick and choose who they're, you know, quasi loyal to when the truth is they should really only be loyal to themselves, their health and their (laughs) bank account.
1: Absolutely. And that's the thing, too, is that you're not going to be able to sell the same T-shirt to the same person. Correct. You know, so, yeah, you can print some T-shirts and things like that and we have a tremendous core base of fans in Vegas that do their best to attend absolutely every single show.
0: I see the same people in the front rows all the time.
1: Yeah. And they show up to different promotions as well. And I think that it's a really cool thing for the fans, but at the same time, you know, like that's also money out of their pockets, you know, like, so sometimes, Hey
0: man, uh, I got to tell you at this advanced age, um, you know, I was a theater kid when I was in high school. Yeah. It was a good experience. And, uh, as time went on, I, I kind of got out of it just cause my life went in different directions or whatever. Um, now I don't really enjoy a whole lot of television. It's nothing against television. I can't watch TV. I look, there's good shows out there. <laughs> uh, I, tried to watch this show on Netflix the other day called Manifest. I made it five episodes in and I realized, oh, this sh- this show goes for like four more seasons. So they're just pulling me by the dick all this time. Yep. So fuck it. And I... <laughs> I, just don't need to, I don't need to watch this anymore. Cause it was like a sort of a lost style mystery of, Ooh, what's going on? What's happening. But when I realized, Oh, we're several seasons in, we're never going to find out what's going on. And probably just like lost, like, nah, I, I can
1: you're not going to get an actual payoff.
0: <laughs> right. But I got to tell you folks, if you can get into live theater, if yep. you're in New York, go hit up Broadway or musicals or whatever, because it's the ultimate rich guy move. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's really you should go into these places with with spats on and a monocle by all means. Yeah. Perform for me.
1: You have to look (laughs) like Mr. Peanut or the Monopoly man.
0: I'm just saying I like the idea of going to see a play or a musical, even like low budget ones. Like, yes, this is like watching TV, except the actors are in my Living room. And I, you know,
1: I've, 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 I've gone to a few like plays. I've gone to some in Texas. I've gone to some in Philly. Right. I've, I've got, I think I went to one in Europe and I think it's just one of those things that I have a really hard time investing my time in anything that is not immediately giving me something in return right now Mm -hmm. feels like wasted time. And that's why i can't justify sacrificing how many hours is game of thrones front to back oh bro Yes.
0: Yeah. oh god damn it oh, i got to put a quarter in
1: the jar oh man <laughs> there it is i got gotcha. you i got gotcha. you but that but honestly man i and that's time that you can't get back right you know and i
0: feel cuz i used to really be into movies and tv sure. and uh, I mean, I still am. I'm not anti this stuff. I just I'm more interested in being creative or socializing. Yes. Uh, you know. I, like what am I gonna do? Go watch the, m- the latest Master Chef or something? I I'm yeah. good. Even when I'm playing
1: video games, I'm playing wrestling games. You right. know, and I'm researching wrestlers when I'm making wrestlers, and I'm.
0: Well, no, the point, was, the point I was, the uh, point I was, why I brought up theater is, you know, for these people who go there week after week, this is theater to them. Yes. You know what I mean? They're paying 20 bucks for front row seats to have a bunch of, uh, uh, uh poor people f- <laughs> fake fight for them. Absolutely. <laughs> fake fight in your underwear. <laughs> there you go. Right. While they, you know, drive their beat up cars back home and put ice on their, you know, joints. Yes. Yeah.
1: It's so funny to me because I, I I split my eye pretty gnarly right and it, it looks pretty pretty gnarly it, from my seats it looks great today and walking throughout my day to day everyone just stared at it and didn't ask anything right right the, no but the, everyone just is kind of looking at me like uh-oh. And it was kind of gratifying because <laughs> I didn't want to have the conversation. Right. And normally I'll uh, always give them like some like really obscure excuse. Like if I'm like banged up I'm like, oh my goodness, what happened to you? And I'm like, oh, I sell
0: insurance. You know, just Why would to you met... bother saying something yeah, stupid it, like
1: that. It, just to fuck with people.
0: Oh, just because I like you messing could do, with people. You could do better. than Urban
1: spelunking is another good one. Urban
0: spelunking.
1: First rule of Fight Club. That's another good one.
0: Anytime I see somebody who has like a, their leg in a cast or something, I always go, hey, what happened? And yeah. as they start to answer, I go, crescent kick in an octagon. <laughs> and of course, they always laugh. Ah, no, I tripped in the shower or whatever they did.
1: I, I always tell them, I hope they heal up soon. Like uh, if I see anybody hurt, I'm like, hey, I hope you heal up soon. Mm-hmm. Like that's always something. And I always tell them, like, especially in a cast, I'm like, make sure you go through f- uh, physical therapy. It's going to suck, but you got to get through it.
0: Would you say I'm going to swing the conversation back around to the original subject at hand and we're going to we're going to put a bow on it. Beautiful. Would you say you would want to do would to take that chance like I say with your fantasy promotion. Sorry to put it in that way. To have an interesting rule set or a different thing, or would it just be, well, hey, look, I just do with whatever we got.
1: It would, unfortunately for me, being involved in the industry and knowing what what I know and also seeing people try to do the same thing that you were talking about, pro wrestling iron, Mike Modest has gone on record to say that. There was some successes and there was some failures in trying to reinvent the wheel. Sure. Right. Same thing with Evolve. When Evolve first started, Gabe Sapolsky tried doing a different style, very similar to Ring of Honor, but was heavily implemented on rankings. Even AEW said they were going to pay attention to rankings and things of that matter. Well,
0: you know, it's funny. I don't like calling myself a historian. I like to say history enthusiast. Yep. But the truth is, is, I know a lot. Yeah. I'm surprised that Gabe Sapolsky and a lot of people in the industry don't realize why the certain things should not be done. When AEW declared, we're going to keep records, uh, I remember shaking my head and going, That's a bad idea. How do these guys not know? Are they idiots? And look, I like Cody Rhodes. But there's a reason why in pro wrestling you don't keep records. Yeah. One guy's going to be undefeated and everyone else is going to be like three and 15. Yeah. It's absurd. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And they had multiple people who were just, oh, and 15. Yeah. You know, uh, it was a bad idea. And as far as I can tell, they've completely abandoned it. I don't know if they keep it up to snuff on their website, but there are certain things. I know what you're saying. And I know what Mike Monas is saying. There are certain things that you can't do like that. Yeah. But you can have say a power ranking system. I would I would lean on rankings, right? For sure. And it and it's as simple as you know, I you, uh, there was a UFC game. I think it was UFC 2 on uh, the last generation. The way it works is you get emailed by the office and they go, "Here's three potential fights for you in their story mode." Right? And you pick and choose one. You go, yeah, I'll fight that guy. You know, he's higher up. But th- it shows along with how what their ranking is, what their style is. Yep. You know, and you can kind of do the math. My odds on fighting this guy at the top aren't good. I'll go for this guy in the middle here. Right. Play safe. You, know, you can do that and work your way up the rankings, or as you lose, you go down the rankings. One of the problems uh, with pro wrestling today is that and I do believe this is an Al Snowism. is that the way modern wrestling is now, guys, when they lose, say you're in the mid-card and you lose, you don't go down to the bottom bottom of the card. No,
1: you stay exactly where you are. You
0: stay in the mid-card and you just keep going in in a a horizontal circle. Yep. Same thing with the people at the top and the same thing with the people at the bottom, except for they get shuffled in and out because you just can't have you know, five guys who are, Oh, and 98. Yeah. So eventually they get shuffled out because they're, they're the, the welcome mats, unfortunately, but what the way wrestling should be, and he's really right about this is it should be like a ranking system where you got guys who go on up, they're circling up and they're circling down yes. and it's sort of fluctuating in that way instead and of just spinning in a circle. Yeah. I, Stories I, can be made from that absolutely you know you can have that character who loses a bunch and then he gets that one One
1: miraculous win out of nowhere
0: and it's that's a great story yeah and it happens in all of sports we're in vegas the golden knights just lost the other night um the, the their season is completely over absolutely i'm I'm crestfallen. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) Crestfallen. But for people from Montreal, you know, they... It was a big deal. It was a big deal because in all reality, they shouldn't have beat us. And they knew it. Yeah. So it was a big happening for them. And that's good. Yeah. These stories exist in sports. They can exist in pro wrestling as well. Um, We just have to make the effort to find them and implement them. Turnbuckle Boogie is a Devo Looter production and is produced by T.J. Fogarty and Cody Hancock with music and web production by Timothy Stiles. If you're interested in booking or information on Cutthroat Cody, please go to cutthroatcody.com and follow us on Instagram at Turnbuckle Boogie. See you next Monday.